0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: It's time to eat. What are you hungry for?
0: Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan.
1: Feed me now! I'm
0: starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. This is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. It's, of course, presented by DraftKings. Thank goodness for those guys. Thank goodness for my co-host on this show, Joe Dolan. Big fan of everything Joe does over at FantasyPoints.com. Check him out on social media at FG underscore Dolan. And by the way, use the code 23FEAST when you're over there at FantasyPoints.com. I am merely a former NFL offensive lineman trying to avoid a real job as long as I possibly can. As most of you know, I got a bunch of media gigs, Eagles preseason games, I'll be here before you know it, and I got a bunch of podcasts. Definitely check out the Even Money Betting Podcast, Raw Soccer Football Podcast, and of course, the College Draft. Today, our guest is literally one of my favorite people in the world. He is hilarious in every aspect. You need to check him out on social media. Of course, his Twitter handle is at Fantasy Guru because he is, in fact, the Fantasy Guru. He works with Joe Dolan, which I guess leads to question one, John. Um, What kind of worker, what kind of partner is Joe Dolan? And feel free to say anything bad you'd like to say.
2: Yeah, what's up, Ross? What's up, Joe? Well, real quick, can we put a moratorium? I know you guys like to eat here, but can we can we put a moratorium on on eating references because we're recording this 1035? I did a three hour radio. I'm starving, so just just <laughs> throw that out there. Um no, hey, I,
0: wait, John, while you mentioned that, yeah. We we have to discuss the fact that I recently had a tweet about Stromboli being better than pizza and you almost Stage the
2: mutiny and won't even come on the show i mean that was a bit much um i look and i'm not i'm pro stromboli all right i'm pro calzone pro stromboli but i, I don't know if we're uh really competing with pizza you know i'm a crust guy i like the the, the thick crust or the thin crust crispy uh, i don't think you can do that with a stromboli but uh back to joe dolan well i, I think the only thing you need to know ross is that i hired joe dolan when he was 22 years old and he had zero experience in this space, and I still hired the man full time. That tells you all you need to know. Got him on the air on Sirius XM a year later, sight unseen. Guy's never been on any radio really, uh, hosting wise, yet here he is hosting on national radio. Uh, that's because, you know, that's because he's awesome. I only surround myself with awesome people, Ross, you included.
0: Well, I appreciate you saying that, even though you haven't had me on your satellite radio show in a long time. So hey, I guess I'm not awesome invite. anymore.
2: You have an open invite. I'm trying to I'm, I'm ready.
0: I'm ready, man.
2: Yeah. Um, but here, here's the way, thing. The, uh... with Ross, I want people to know this. Dealing with you, um, you, you map out like every minute of the day. So I'll say, hey, Ross, we you know, uh, you want to come on tomorrow. You're like, well, I'm free from 912 to 926. That's all I have. You know, so it's a little bit, there's a little pressure on me there.
0: I understand. What's the uh, hiring process like for you, Guru, that you just hired Dolan out of college at 22 with no, no credentials, no experience, no anything?
2: Well, the, thought there is let me get a couple of young hungry guys who are really really willing to work to you know make their mark in in this realm and you know train them and you know pay them cheaply of course that was part of it uh but as as Joe can attest uh I was uh very generous uh with the raises and he always deserved to get a raise so I just kept kept raising it to the point where I'm like you know what. Uh, let me just sell this website and let me start another one with you, Joe, and we'll make you a partner. So that's exactly where we are. You know, everything I predicted to Joe and uh, our guy Tom Brawley as well, um, 12 years ago, 14 years ago, basically every single thing came true. Because I am in the predictive business, you know, so I'd like to get it right.
0: I love it. Absolutely love it, Guru. Um, before we get into some of the guys that you're higher or lower on than their current ADP. You've been around the fantasy industry like well over 20 years now. I mean, what, 25, close to 30? 29. 29. Yeah. What's the biggest change? Like, here we are, 2023, mid-June. What's the What's the biggest change now that you've seen? Is, is it best ball is now more popular compared to, you know, it was daily fantasy for a while? Like, if you had to put your finger on, like, what is either the newest thing or what you think the next thing is? What is it?
2: Well, I I think I go right to, in terms of the analysis element here, because that's what we do, um, data, analytics, all that, you know, advanced stats, you know, looking well beyond your basic stats, completion percentage and yards per carry, all that stuff. Obviously, that's something you look at, but – you know, I always tell a story about comparing the old days with today and it's Jamal Anderson is related to the story. So I don't know, maybe five years ago, I found an old hard copy newsletter because it started in 1995 and not enough people were on the internet in 1995. So it was a snail mail newsletter. I only had a certain amount of space, you know, so one time, I my analysis for Jamal Anderson was literally this: he'll be fine. That's it. That's all I had room for. He was fine, by the way. He ran for hundred with a touchdown. But imagine getting away with that now. It's like, oh, uh, give us your thoughts on David Montgomery with the Lions. Ah, he'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> that ain't that ain't happening right now. So you 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 have to have myriad data points and reasoning statistically uh to to back up a lot of your positions so i think that we have just become so much more advanced and always a challenge for me because you know i was a c minus math student so that's why i bring in very very smart people and speaking of data and analytics and all that that is what fantasy points data is all about uh taking us into the future basically the future is data and analytics
0: Well, um, speaking of the future, in my future, like this weekend, will be several Labatt Blue Lights with my friends, with my family. I'm at the beach with my wife's family. Always enjoy responsibly beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, Guru, we brought you on for your expertise which, I don't know, you hire Joe, you think Pete's better than Stromboli. I don't know if you're off to a great start, but it's fine. You're like We're Jamal good. Anderson. Yeah. You'll be fine. Um, yeah. People always talk about the underappreciated guys, the underrated guys. Let's go the other way. Let's go some guys that you think are, are going a little too high right now. You think that they're overrated.
2: Yeah. Well, um, I'll start, I'll, I'll go in order of ADP. I, I will say, too, the markets, so to speak, the average draft positions, especially now because people are really dialed in, um, are, are really tight. So it's it's kind of hard to find, like, you know, rankings and positioning where I'm, like, way off the markets. But no, they're definitely there. You just have to look. And I, I'll start probably with Travis Etienne, who, who I was very high on last year, And we we got that right. I feel like we got a little lucky. Um, You know, he was solid running the rock for sure. But I think we learned that he's not nearly the receiver that we thought he was uh, at Clemson there. I think it was maybe inflated a little bit, that role in the passing attack. We also learned that not the greatest short yardage guy. So they went ahead and drafted Tank Bigsby, who is, you know, in theory, a good short yardage guy. And, not a zero in the passing game at all. Could could even contribute as a rookie. Um, so you know, they also brought in they brought in Dearness Johnson and all that. So I think I'm gonna quit while I'm ahead with ETN. He does fit my profile of young, versatile, uh, generally durable, but with the running backs in general getting pushed down the board, like, you know, it, it's a lot to command and be worth in my opinion you know a top 40 pick or a top 35 pick I think ETN comes up just a little short there.
0: Joe ETN I, I have to go look at the stats but what were you guys thinking he was going to do in the passing game oh, and what so did he do?
1: A lot more than he did last year he didn't have a single game with more than three catches which was insane and I just wonder if the drafting of Tank Bigsby you know they they wanted to work in James Robinson last year and then it, Robinson just wasn't any good. You know, they ended up they ended up trading him away. I wonder if they want to use Etienne a little bit more as like an Alvin Kamara-ish player. It, and, and if that is the case, that's good for fantasy. I'd much rather Travis Etienne have 180 carries and 70 targets than 250 carries and 40 targets. I would much rather that be the case because, as we know, a target is worth 2.5 times as much as a carry. In, in fantasy football, PPR fantasy football, which is what DraftKings' best ball is. I get John's trepidation, though. Doug Peterson wants to re- rotate the running backs. Is there going to be a rhyme and reason to this? And ETN is pretty expensive. You know, he, um, oh, we were talking last week with Evan Silver, Ross, about how much I like Najee Harris, because even though he's boring, we kind of know what his role's going to be. ETN's more expensive than Najee Harris. So the, the, there's some squaring that you've got to do with that.
0: Hey, Guru, when's the last time you saw a guy that after like a year and a half, somebody clearly said something to him and he changed the way he played? I hated watching Najee Harris for the first year and a half of his career Hmm. because he's like this 235-pound guy, like dancing in the backfield and like jump cuts and thought he was something that he's not. Yeah. And – He actually got the memo. I mean, I still don't think he's a great player, but he started just hitting it. He started just going, and the second half of the year, it was much more tolerable to watch him. I don't know if that was reflected in his stats, Guru, but I guess I would say it's his third year, so he'll be up for a contract potentially, although they got the fifth-year option. I am encouraged by the way Najee Harris finished the year last year when someone told him, he plays running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. And he's 35 pounds.
2: Yeah, no question. Now, you, look, you're a former lineman, so I, I'm going to put it back to you. How much of the dancing was due to the fact that the Steeler O-line was not clearing a damn path for the guy? Because that's been prevalent, too. The yeah, line but you still got to go. You know what yeah, I mean? Right, right, right. Like, right, like right.
0: If the, here's, here's, a, here's a secret. If the blocking is bad the dancing makes it worse, you yeah, know? Yeah, If the, the old, block is uh, not what you're yeah. used to at Alabama, where there's, like, true, huge true. holes, you got to just go and get whatever the soft spot of the defense is and try to get two or three. He had yeah. so many lost yards. And, and Steelers fans would be like, they, they love these plays where he would, like, break two tackles in the backfield and get a loss of one or, like, get the back-to-line yeah. scrimmage. Like, that doesn't – that that that's – if you just hit it right away, he would have gotten the least of the line of scrimmage.
2: Yeah, yeah, you do have that, the old uh, slow to the hole and quick through the hole. You know, th- that may have applied at times. But yeah, I mean, we're not talking Le'Veon Bell here, but, you know, he's a grinder, a little bit more of a grinder. It's a little boring, but I'll tell you what's not boring. No human being on the planet has had more touches at running back in the NFL the last two years, so... Volume is big. We're not going to get 70-plus catches uh, like we did that year, the rookie year with Big Ben. But better O-line, better offense, more weaponry. I'm hearing already good things about uh, my man Calvin Austin maybe taking the top off that defense a little bit. You know, everything's going to be better. Matt Canada, not good. But, you know, uh, I think those deficiencies show more in the passing attack. Najee's good, like – That's an old-school guy that I can see him playing every game until he's like 28, 29, like do it like six, seven years in a row, which which is unheard of nowadays. Of course, it was a standard procedure for stud running backs in the 80s and 90s, but, yeah, I I got an old-school vibe. I think the Steelers are still ascending. Uh, By the way, uh, Kenny Pickett, I'm telling people he's good. I know he didn't get a lot of touchdowns last year, but – um, I think people are overthinking Kenny Pickett. Uh, if you need to dig deep at quarterback super flex, he will deliver an ROI this year that's going to be fantastic. The guy had a 1.8% touchdown rate. He's due. Uh, you know, Marcus Mariota was at 5% last year, Justin Fields was at 5%. Kenny Pickett's way better than those guys throwing the rock. So just throwing that in there. I'm a big Kenny Pickett guy. This is the story of the one
0: All right, Guru, are you anti-big receiver? I'm looking, you think Michael Pittman's overrated? You think Michael Williams is overrated? Is this where we are now with football that, like, in the NFL, we like the smaller guys, we like the skinnier guys, we like the quicker guys? Because you think both Michael Pittman and Mike Williams are overrated?
2: Yeah, now I will say I loved Pittman coming out. That that was a little bit of an exception, you know, but I don't like him this year because he's a volume-based guy, and I just don't know if he'll get that volume, obviously, with Josh Downs added, who I think is a pretty nifty slot receiver, and, of course, Anthony Richardson. We, we liked him last year quite a bit. Uh, he came through, basically. Um, it, it was probably the most boring uh, – he had a hundred catches, right? I know Joe knows right It was like wasn't that like the most boring one hundred catch season like of all time uh Mike pittman but um this year i'm not I'm not expecting that that volume here. Let's take a look. that was oh ninety nine he had, okay. had ninety
1: nine and yeah. didn't have a thousand yards receiving now. the question the, like, that's hard to do yeah and, and- uh, that's for like a wide that's
0: receiver, like, ninety nine catches, but not a thousand yards. Yeah, that's
1: like Jarvis Landry, uh, Eddie Royal type numbers right there, uh, especially for a bigger receiver. Normally, you normally you see that from a, from a slot receiver. Um, Pittman's metrics were not very good either. Um, his yards Correct. per route run was not great. His his wins against man were not great. But I also just wonder how much of that was because the offense was broken in general. Yeah, um, yeah, but but, but Ross- Richardson is a riskier prospect too. So. Mm. Yeah. It, it's true. a tough spot for Pittman.
2: To answer the question, though, Ross, sorry to cut you off there, Joe. But th- yeah, I am. um I'm an ageist uh, at running back. Like, if you hit 26, I'm like, have a nice life, dude. You know what I mean? At this point, but uh maybe 27. But with wide receivers, I've typically been more about the smaller, quick twitch guys, you know. And, and look, it burns me sometimes. I was not a big A.J. Brown guy. I, I, Did not think that he would be that much of a man among boys, you know, with the leverage, you know, and yards after the catch and all that. He takes on a lot of contact. I like guys who run away from people and don't get hit as opposed to like Mike Williams, who seems to go up for a jump ball, you know, once or twice a half and comes down crashing, you know, to the ground and breaking something. Uh, yeah, I am a little bit of a sizist. You know, we don't get those fade balls anymore in the red zone, so that that doesn't help. I'm definitely more about quick twitch and speed, running after the catch and all that. Like, let's create our own offense by winning quickly, and that's this day and age, that's the game, and these big guys, you know, aren't really great at that.
0: You know what's fascinating? And I'm going to use this on some game broadcast this year. It feels like – Guys that are great route runners and separators, like that translates, right? Yeah, yeah. Guys that are great contested catch in college, feels like it's like 50-50. Some of those guys come to the NFL and they just can't do it at the NFL. But then other guys like A.J. Brown, he's still just a monster at the catch point with contested catches. It feels like there's more, Joe, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but it feels like there's more predictability of guys that are separators that are route runners that that will that that will carry yeah. over as opposed oh, yeah. to like with these contested catch guys like uh JJ orago Whiteside it's like flipping a coin like some of these yeah. contested catch guys they just can't do it at the NFL like they could yeah. do it against smaller worse DBs but they get here and they they that's the difference between them being able to make that
1: contested catch or not if that's if, I think the 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 problem is if that is how you win in college, that means it's going to be how you have to win in the NFL f- for the most part. College college um, quarterback play is obviously worse, so maybe quarterbacks are, are less likely to lead you into a good spot. But you look at Ortega Whiteside, that was his entire profile. Dave, remember Josh Dotson, who was drafted yeah. by the erstwhile like uh, yeah. – Yeah, and yeah. I, I just wonder if those are guys who – the nfl is shying away from and Mm -hmm. scott barrett's really done this research he thinks it's a very concerning profile guys who win almost entirely at the catch point in college that doesn't mean it's bad if you can do it but you need to be able to separate in the nfl um and and a.j brown is one of the best separators in the nfl i know ross you say he's a beast at the catch point because he's because he's rocked up but he separates incredibly well, and he's also great after the catch. So those are those things you have to square with. You know,
0: I want to go back to the Pittman thing, Guru, real quick. Yeah. I feel – you've been doing this a long time. What if all I did every year in best ball or whatever drafts was just faded receivers that have rookie quarterbacks? I feel like in general I'd probably net-net over the course of time, you're probably in a pretty good spot if you just – don't take guys or at least take them lower than other people are guys that have rookie quarterback. I mean, how often are you going to get burned by that?
2: Yeah, no. Sometimes the most obvious answer is the answer. Now when everyone is expecting some growing pains and maybe that guy's price tag is going to drop a little bit, which, you know, maybe offsets that the rookie quarterback thing, but you know, one thing I'm kind of bringing up this year, and it's like the most blatantly obvious point, but I, I think sometimes we forget, like, maybe I'm with with all these receivers, so many receivers, and so many good passing games, like, why are we even considering receivers with really shaky quarterback situations? I hate to go to D.C., but Terry McLaurin, you know, he's a baller. I think Josh Dotson's a little more talented, but McLaurin, you, you can't deny it, but Forty-five overall with Sammy Howell, and I'm actually hoping for Brissett, But you know, why, 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 why even bother there when we have so many other good receivers with better quarterbacks?
0: So, a guy guru that you're uh, that you think is underappreciated that I wanted to bring up is Cam Akers. So, what happened last year? Did Cam Akers go from like he's going to get cut, doghouse, to all yeah. of a sudden like the Rams loved him and were feeding him? Like, what I feel like that happened, like, in one week where it was like he's injured, he doesn't work hard, doghouse, they're going to cut him or trade him. Yep. Till like the second half of the year, he was like the bell cow for the Rams. Like, what happened there?
2: Well, I think, you know, coming off that Achilles, he, he played in the playoffs the year before, it did not look good. It didn't really look good earlier in the season, which is. That was worrisome because it was like seven months had passed. So you thought maybe he was back. Um, I don't think personally that Sean McVay does a particularly good job rotating his backs. You know, I don't feel like there's any rhyme or reason there. I think that McVay has been best served to just feed one dude. Granted, that was Todd Gurley, of course, uh, really talented. But it got to the point where they were going to cut him. There was a schism there. But they literally had no choice, so they just went with it, and then, boom, he just completely responded. I thought he looked final six games about all the way back, and all the data supports that first 11 games, 3.3 yards per carry. After that, 4.9. Wow. The 2.10 yards before contact per carry, um, that was – up from 0.54. So it wasn't just him. It was the O line, too, actually. It just seemed like it all came together. And, Ross, you know this. Like, you need to be in rhythm at, at running back. So you're better off the lineman you would prefer to block for a bell cow, right? Basically. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, now, and, and I think we've learned with uh, Deontay Foreman, we've learned that, yeah, it takes multiple years to return. But we've learned that it can be done, and if you show well, let's say two years removed from the surgery, that that's real because uh, the year before last, uh, Foreman looked damn good on the Titans spelling Derrick Henry. Then he moves to Carolina, looked good again. So I'm taking Cam Akers looking like the Cam Akers we thought he would be as a second-round pick in the final six weeks, You look at the depth chart, they have very little behind them. Zach Evans is talented enough to challenge, okay. But it's all there for Cam Akers. This is a sleep like a baby call here. Final year of his rookie deal. You know, granted, the offense could unravel a little bit, but he's so affordable right now. There's only upside with Cam Akers this year. I think they're going to run him into the ground, honestly, uh, to protect the quarterback, and they'll probably let him walk as a free agent next year.
0: Can't highly recommend enough that you guys go to FantasyPoints.com and use that code 23FEAST. I'm a gigantic fan of both John's at Fantasy underscore Guru and Joe at FG underscore Dolan. They've got a team of dozens, it seems like, at this point, putting out this content. Now is the time to go to FantasyPoints.com and use that code 23FEAST. The other thing I wanted to make sure to mention... Joe and I are going to have a best ball draft. It's going to be live, and we want you to be a part of it. Just go to westshorehome.com slash Ross. Schedule a free estimate. As soon as you do that, forward that email to me, ross at rosstucker.com I might even just take the first 10 people that schedule a free estimate to go against Joe and I in a best ball draft. Again, that's westshorehome.com slash Ross. Westshorehome.com slash Ross. Fellas, thank you both so much for being on the show. I'm stuffed. That stromboli was delicious. I think we're done here. Later.